thanks. That's all for today. Thanks, 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 that's all for today. Hello and welcome back. I'm Harriet Mullen and this is my podcast, Thanks, That's All For Today. How are you doing? I wish you could answer. You know I love a chat. So, welcome back to episode six. I have spent a working week in the Caribbean. I promise I was working. Including editing this very, very special podcast. Today's episode is another really important one and I'd personally like to thank my guest for her openness and honesty with some of the topics that we discuss in today's episode. So, without further ado, here is episode six, singer, dancer, actor, creative, and fellow it girl, the wonderful Georgina Manderfield. Hello everyone and welcome back to Thanks That's All For Today, a podcast hosted by me, Harriet Mullen. I do the same intonation every single time. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening to this episode I have with me today a gorgeous friend of mine. I have the wonderful singer, dancer, actor, choreographer, dance captain, assistant director, the gorgeous Georgina Manderfield. How are you, darling? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. That was a nice intro. I'm so, so happy to see you. I haven't seen you since our fabulous New Year's Eve together. Well, we stayed up till 5am talking in your bedroom. It was lovely. Yeah, it was so great. It was the best way to start the new year. It was me with my no secco, full makeup. Can I just can I just describe the scene to our listeners? So all you gorgeous girlies were all fresh faced. You'd all done your double cleanse. You'd all got your moisturizer on. You're in your robe. There was me in satin pajamas, full makeup except a lip. So I had a bare lip and just full makeup. But we just talked for hours. It was lovely. It was like girl sleepover. Yeah, it really was like a sleepover. You looked gorgeous. I feel like the rest of us just were desperate to get it off our faces, weren't we, by that time? <laughs> no, I went into the room afterwards and I looked in the mirror and I thought, the stories I was telling with such expression, I must have looked like scary. <laughs> you know, like when it's so close up, the intensity of the Isla volume lash. Eyelashes. The New Year lash. So Georgina and I have only met twice, but it actually feels like I've known her for years in the industry. We met through our gorgeous boss, Tracy Dennis, one of the previous guests on this season. And we're both fellow It Girls. What a great job we have together as It Girls. We love it, don't we? Yeah, I absolutely love it. I do think that It Girls is probably one of the biggest highlights of last year for me. I've wanted to be an It Girl for such a long time. Like, such a long time um, and I'm very grateful to the lovely people that recommended me to Tracy and I yeah I got to make my it girl debut last year and I've done a few different jobs of um, Tracy and the girls now and I just yeah I just absolutely love it they're the most amazing gigs I feel the same I feel like I was quietly admiring the it girls for years I said that's Tracy in her podcast um, it's just one of those companies that you just think I'd love to do their gigs and not just because they are fantastic like the venues we get to go to and the parties and the the events and she gets the most lovely gigs but also something that I think is really important in the industry is females supporting other females I just think it's such it's such a great company yeah and it's one of those things that it shouldn't be so unique like it shouldn't Mm. be that it's rare to find a really lovely group of people to work with but sadly that well for me that often was the case and I just feel very, very lucky now to have 
met the girls and I do know a few of the girls through other avenues and things which is wonderful as well um but yeah the reason that we can sit up and chat for hours is because it's such a nice group of people and I do think it's very special very very lucky aren't we yeah we are except if you don't do a gig with me I bet you'd go to bed earlier because it's me keeping everyone up talking (laughs) everyone's probably in bed by 11 (laughs) if Harriet's on the gig we're up all night So let's talk about your your credits. I loved going through your spotlight with a massive cup of coffee, looking at all the different tabs. So for those of you who aren't maybe on Spotlight or aren't aware, um, Spotlight is like an online CV for us creatives. And there's lots of different areas, obviously, of, of the creative industry that we can work in. And I think Georgina's worked in them all. So hence the lots of tabs on her CV. Your career spans from musical theatre to corporate gigs, to events, to stage, to arena gigs, to concerts, to film, TV and music videos. And there's literally so many credits on your CV. And if I listed them all, I'd be here all day. But my favourites include... Rocket Man, the film, The Brits, His Dark Materials, EastEnders, The Crown, Strictly Come Dancing, shows like Tina the Rock Legend, Working for Rolls Royce, and the London Olympic Closing Ceremony. I mean, among so many others, you've had such a varied career. Is there a particular area of your career or particular job that's been your favourite? Um, it's quite, I feel like it's a bit tricky to answer with like just one. Um, thank you for being so lovely. I don't think I feel like it's... Um maybe as buried and as exciting as maybe it sounds. But um, the Olympic hosting ceremony was obviously a massive highlight and something that I will just never, ever forget. I was still training at the time and I just managed to do it that summer. So t- with I did the closing ceremony, which actually worked really well because we rehearsed during the summer and then the ceremony was in the August. So it fitted in lovely and it was just amazing in every way. I was in the Annie Lennox section. I was the first person to walk out of like the tunnel into the like stadium bit and yeah it was it was just absolutely phenomenal the best thing about it was that you wear you wear your little innies so that you can hear the music and directors and things and um the spice girls were the section after us so <gasps> we could hear the spice girls because they could talk to each other in their innies so they did like a thing like good luck everyone have the best all this kind of stuff and i was just going mental and we'd also met them at our last at like the last rehearsal we used to re- you rehearse in this like desolate car park thing I don't remember where I was somewhere really random but obviously it was all secret mm-hmm. um and you had to like travel there for your rehearsals and not tell anyone or whatever and the last run we'd had they'd come David Beckham came with the kids like <gasps> it was just madness um the only thing was I didn't get to meet Mel B and obviously Scary Spice is like my idol um <laughs> but I met some of the others and they spoke then and we had our ears then and then it happened again on the actual night and it was just like icing on the cake uh, but yeah, it was absolutely incredible. When ho- I had like a white face with crazy makeup and this big wig and I still went home with all the face paint on and like my ceremonies top and my friend was in the point work section with Darcy Bustle where they were like the phoenixes with that like, flames and things. Yeah. So she had all her face paint on. We got on the train together, went back. Yeah, it was crazy. It was just, the, that was the best summer. 2012 was the best summer because I went and watched bits at the Olympics. I went and watched the opening ceremony rehearsal we went on nights out and met people with their medals like it was just great but best summer to be in London definitely it was amazing oh my god I got goosebumps when you said you could hear the Spice Girls talking to each other 
Oh my gosh, just before Thank you God. went on stage. What an amazing thing to have been part of as, as a creative. I mean, to be there anyway, watching it, fantastic. But to be actually involved must have been absolutely fantastic. I remember watching the Olympics when Australia was hosting the Olympics. I can't even remember what year that would have been. But I remember watching Kylie arrive on a float. And I was like, one day I want to perform at the Olympics when it's in London. And when that day came, I was nowhere to be found. <laughs> I was not involved. Yeah. It's so hard, isn't it? Because like, it's just like a timing and an age thing. Because I look back now and think, if I was actually, if I'd actually graduated and was working as a professional, I don't think I would have been in it. Because I don't think I would have been represented by the right agents and stuff like that. I think, because I did it as a volunteer, I just went and auditioned like anyone else could. It happened to be that I got put in that section that was predominantly for tall people because we wore these massive costumes. So all the women I worked with were all at the same height as me, which was lovely. And most people were dancers, either former professional dancers or training like me. And I was just very fortunate. And yeah, with my friend being in the point work section, obviously that was a different yeah. skill that those people had. But I don't think if I'd actually graduated, if I actually would have been able to do it, I think that would have been more upsetting. Sounds like you had the most amazing summer. What was the audition process like for the closing ceremony? So for the closing ceremony, I went I went as a volunteer and you just went literally like a cattle call, like you have for some of the theatre auditions. Um and it was hundreds of people and I don't really remember the first round but the first round we just did quite basic stuff I think and then I went to another one that was I think more specific for my section and because we were all taller it was to wear these massive amazing costumes so when I then went to the next round it was more specific um I don't really remember what we did nothing difficult nothing was very difficult Um, and I think I went to another one where we then did probably some of the choreo that then ended up being in the piece um and it was we did partner stuff so I think by the third edition we probably were with partners but lots of things definitely were they separated people based on like either skills so like if you did point work you know went to the audition mm. for the point work and there were some bits that were more characterful there was another one of my friends was in like the more contemporary section and I think my one was definitely height was definitely a factor because everyone was um tall um and then the rehearsal process yeah was across the summer in these in this weird secret car park place um <laughs> Yeah, so it was amazing. And then I'd also been invited to audition for the opening ceremony where they had the family that was in like a house that was part of the ceremony. And they specifically wanted a mixed race um, girl in in that family. So I'd been invited to that audition. I actually got to meet Danny Boyle and do the audition with him and did lots of improv. And it was probably my first experience of being with kind of in an acting Mm. kind of situation more than in dance and theatre um, and we had to do yeah improv with strangers which was quite new for me but it was fun I remember like playing lots of games and stuff and it being quite cool and I went to two auditions for that and then I think I, it then the recall then clashed with maybe a college show or something else it was like a timing mm-hmm. thing but also I didn't want to risk losing my place in the closing ceremony because I by that point being told I'd been picked for that so then we just yeah, yeah we went with the closing ceremony and it was amazing and um, yeah it was just a really really great summer. I am just buzzing that you could hear the Spice Girls in in your ears and that you've got that credit that you can say, unlike me, like Kylie, you were at the closing ceremony (laughs) of your country's Olympics. I just think that's such a great credit. So you've clearly got a great blipping work ethic. Um, Was this a job that you always wanted to do? I say job, I mean, as a collective, was this an avenue 
that you wanted to go down when you were younger? Um, I think so. I started dancing when I was about two and it was dance that was the first thing. Um, and I did the kind of traditional ballet tap modern route ISTD as I grew up. Um, I stayed in the same dance school. Um, it, it had different owners and different studios as such, but it was the same dance school from when I first started until I went to vocational college. Um, there were lots of times where I wanted to give up and all that kind of thing. Um, I've got a friend actually who I'm still good friends with who was from when I very first started ballet. And I saw her parents actually the other week and her dad still jokes, oh, when's Georgie going to give up? Because I used to say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> on our way to class and stuff um so yeah I think I did always want to do it but I guess a lot of it is just you know you don't you're a kid and, and then a teenager and you change your mind and whatever but um yeah it was mainly dance I then was in lots of choirs probably from near the end of primary school and then all through secondary school I did lots of different choirs chamber choirs I was in hearts chorus that kind of thing and um, like for my county um I always did school shows I then also started doing as many kind of community shows, pantos, mm. productions that I could. Um, yeah, and it kind of went from there. I got to a point where it was like, well, what's the next bit? Um, started like learning about different schools that you could train at. And the conclusion was that I needed to do my A-levels. That was kind of what my parents wanted. I was quite academic as well. So the idea of getting my A-levels either at the same time as training professionally or before I went on to somewhere so I did audition for Tring um arts ed and I got a place there but um I don't think academically it would have really suited me it also is an incredibly expensive school um mm. I do live in Hertfordshire but it's not you know I would have still had to go and live there and so we came to the conclusion that that wasn't the right place and I moved to a different school for my sixth form so that I could do dance a level and like they had a contemporary company and we had a hip-hop crew that we did competitions with and they just had more performing opportunities so I moved there did my A-levels there as well as all the extracurricular stuff um, and then I would got a place at Erdang and then I went to Erdang um, once I was 18 and did the degree course there so yeah I had my A-levels and then went on to do the degree there. Fantastic and what was the audition process like for you when you were auditioning for Erdang? So it's probably a bit different for me than it was for other people I went to the pre-audition course so I think I must have done that when I was 16. Yeah, I think I was still younger because it was still at that point where I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Mm. Um, and so I went to the pre-audition course, which was an absolutely brilliant course because there were so many things that I just didn't know. Even though I knew I wanted to go to a vocational college, I knew nothing about what you actually are expected mm. to be able to do and what they want you to do in the audition situation. And you literally have five days where you have class and you meet all the teachers and they train you specifically to audition for a vocational college. And it's not... It's, it's Erdang course the Erdang course wasn't specific to Erdang it obviously had Erdang staff and they knew more about that college but it was very much that you could then just be ready to audition wherever you so mm. desired um, and you did a mock audition on the Friday and at the time that I did it they actually used that audition as kind of like a real audition as well mm. um and so I was then offered a place on a course called Adapt. Sorry, this is quite a long story. No, no, no. I find it so, it, honestly, no story that's told on this <laughs> podcast is the same. I want to know. <laughs> so I was offered a place in this course that was called Adapt. I, I think it stood for something. I couldn't tell you now. Mm. But I was offered this place on Adapt. And this was like a part-time course that you did alongside going to school. So I went, I think, one or two evenings a week at some point, And then you also could go on the weekend to the theatre school. 
Um, and I do think that that course had a humongous impact on my life. Um, for me, as a mixed race person, it was my first time having non-white dance teachers. Um, and I can't really remember the pre-audition course that well, because I think I have really ingrained memories of the ADAPT course. Like, yeah. I think they're a bit stronger in my memory. And I really remember it was Carl Paris, who I'm thinking some people might know, might have been taught at other schools as well. Um, he was teaching us like a contemporary jazz class. And it must have been the first time I'd gone to the course. And just it just changed everything because I was like oh this this is I can be here I can be comfortable here and I can learn from him and um that's when I then was like I want to go to Erdang and I was offered a place on the diploma course but I then got to the point of like oh well I don't think I want to do the diploma I think I want to wait and stay at school and Mm. so yeah so I did that adapt course we also performed at move it with the theatre school and I had lots of other opportunities I met some really lovely people people that I'm still in touch with now mm. which is really nice and then I then did go on to Erdang so when I then auditioned for the degree I think I went to like the second round so because I'd already done the first bit as such but mm. a year before and so I went to the second round for the degree audition um, and, then, and then went on to the degree course I did audition um, at London Studio Centre which I didn't get into and at the time I remember being absolutely devastated because lots of people I knew from my dance school or from other like you know local dance groups and things that I was part of had gone there so I think I'd always had in my mind that was somewhere I wanted to go and I didn't get in and I guess you just have to look back and think oh wasn't meant wasn't meant to be and then I got a place at bird but on the diploma and I wanted to be on the degree so it kind of then just made it easier and also for Erdang it meant that I could live at home so it reduced those costs by being able to live at home and I just traveled in and out which was really yeah made makes a big difference because I do think the financial aspect is huge when it comes to drama colleges so that was a big part part of it and I that was a big reason why I only auditioned at those few that were Mm. you know relatively close to where I lived um to make it a little bit more feasible yeah definitely smart decision as well it sounds like you were just really switched on at that point in your life which for most of us we're like what are we doing what do you mean I don't have a timetable and somebody telling me where I'm going today and tomorrow where's my mum for a lift like it's sounds like you were really really switched on and um you clearly carried that on into your career you've been able to just maneuver so many different aspects of the creative career and you're still working. And I just think it's just brilliant. You've got such a great work ethic because I've seen even in your credits, you've done some like wedding shows as well. I do think the other side of it though, is that I'm, um, I'm even then I wasn't the most confident person and I definitely had a backup plan and I had a place at a university to do, I think it was English and history or something like that. Like, I didn't believe it was going to happen. And I do think that that has also been at my detriment because I I feel like there's been such a lack of self-belief. And that's why I've ended up with fingers and lots of pies because I want to keep working. I want to keep being creative, but I perhaps never actually fully believe that I could actually do it. And there I have so much admiration for people who do say, no, this is this is what I'm going to focus on and this is what I'm going to achieve. And quite often that that is what they achieve because they're so driven and so focused on that thing and it it kind of just goes both ways doesn't it I spent those three years at Erdang living and breathing it that's all I wanted to do Mm. and I dedicated everything to it but I think I still left with this thing of like what's the backup what's the other option Mm. and and it is that fear of like when you're Mm. not working and dealing with the rejection and all those other bits Um, and I'm very grateful to 
have skills that have been you know across different things mm. but I do sometimes think maybe if I'd just had a little bit more belief it could have been quite different that's so interesting I'm really honest of you to share as well I think it's really really hard to have that utter self-belief and be like no this is what I'm going to do I think it's really natural to be like I do need a backup plan like I do need if I want to stay in this industry I do need I do need other avenues to work in so what was your biggest takeaway from studying at Erdang? So I think this might be different to what other people say but for me the biggest takeaway is definitely friendships I am made some phenomenal friendships and lots of people who are still my closest friends now were people that I met when I was at Erdang and I just think we experienced something those three years together that no one else in my life will ever understand and that's why that's why they become such special friendships you have the highs and lows of just being in that environment but you also just have life stuff that happens at that time and you're growing up it's a funny age to be and you know relationships and everything and I just think nothing compares to those friendships um, that I made so that's definitely my biggest takeaway. And did you feel that the three years at Erdang prepared you for the industry I do think that the training was like the training was really good and was very focused on preparing you for the industry especially in my third year we did a lot of the kind of um mock auditions and we had lots of different people that would come in and would you know protect you know they'd set it up like it was an audition and they'd Mm. teach you the choreo and all that kind of stuff you know check your rep all those things I do think that was really helpful I just think for me personally the even though I might have had all the skills in that sense I just didn't have the confidence so when I then graduated I just didn't believe I could actually do it and I do just feel like that is a huge part of it that you have to walk in the room you know really believing that you deserve to be there and that you deserve that job if that's what you want and I don't I don't think I had that and I did work really hard to try and build my confidence again I went to the AD school for a summer school straight after I'd graduated I like did lots of things to try and build the confidence back but uh, yeah I just think that was my that was my struggle and I do feel like you could know you can know all the steps before you walk in but if you don't believe that you can deliver them well enough or you're comparing yourself to the person next to you then you know what was there wasn't really the benefit of knowing the steps and the same with rep and things you know you still you still have to actually deliver it on the day and and so much of that I think is from self-belief. We're going to play a game now. Let's play a game called Never Have I Ever. Have you ever got a role slash job without auditioning? Yeah, I think, yeah, I have. And that's really lovely. And I think a big part of that is because I moved into working in kind of the corporate world a bit more, where I was just lucky that people would book me for one job and then they just book me again and I wouldn't audition for it. And people recommend you, which is really lovely. Some of the really great opportunities I've had the last few years have been through people recommending me. Also, I was at a point, I think, as well, where lots of places were, you know, doing auditions based on showreels and stuff. So I've also had other jobs where, like, I didn't do a physical audition in the room. Mm. Um, the, the teen, the teen and musical that I tour that I did in Germany, that was showreel and stuff. And yeah, so kind of goes with ways. I think as you get a bit older as well, things change because people kind of know who you are. So if it's not really big stuff, like you know, that needs lots of rounds and lots of different people, um that happens I also fall into that thing where people are like I need a tall mixed race girl or tall girl with an afro 
and that's where people will recommend me as well and because you're bloody brilliant too (laughs) have you ever been on a panel and if so what do you look for yeah so quite a few of my friends have moved into that kind of world of being the choreographer or having a company or an agency and I'm I've been really lucky to either you know lead the teaching part of it if it's learning some choreo or something or be on the panel and when I was working for Carly at Pink Mustard I did a few castings with her and our main thing was always you know the person and trying to find the right people and and that that comes down to you know how polite their emails were how well they were communicating on emails did they send everything that we asked did they you know turn up on time are they well presentable and polite and also like how they are with everyone else are they encouraging Mm. do they give other people space and then also you know pick up skills or how they respond in the moment but really we're in a world now where everyone's really good everyone can trick everyone can do the choreo everyone's really versatile everyone looks gorgeous like so it is more just well would you actually want to work with these people what you know what can you learn about them in this small space of time um, and that that was definitely the focus and I think that's the main thing that that's what I want I want and also to know that people are having a good time like yeah. do you actually want to be here you like are you loving this because you can tell when people are just putting it on mm. um so I think it's that as well knowing you know that you can trust that person really does want to be in this room and that they feel comfortable that they feel excited to be here have you ever had to leave a job to go to an audition yeah so this is quite a great story actually and it's a big shout out to my parents because it was all because of them really that I was in Germany on tour with the Tina show and I then had a final in London and my parents came in the car to Germany in the snow um, came and watched my show and then after the show we left in the car together and my dad drove me and my mum to Brussels and they're like overnight and then that morning we got the first train from Brussels to London on the Eurostar I then went to my final and then I went to the airport in the evening and got on a plane back to Germany and the sad part is that I didn't get the show um but it was one of those situations of it would have been like a what if if I hadn't tried and my parents were obviously incredibly supportive and went miles and miles out of their way uh to make it possible for me to do that so yeah that's that was a pretty big, pretty big adventure. I'm so Try glad I asked that question. Shout out to the creative parents, the parents of, the, of us lot in the creative industry and what they do. I've had my mum and dad up and down the country getting up at all hours to get me to a nine o'clock audition when I was younger. They're amazing. I've even had them surprise me in the queue for an open when it was raining and I didn't have a brolly and they just put a brolly over my head and I thought it was someone behind me and it was them. I just love that. What about getting a job from an open? Yeah, so when I went to Sonomar, that actually was from an open call. Um, and it just worked out that at the time I'd also been something else, maybe like the week before, the week after. I basically went to two auditions quite close together that were both open. So I ended up being offered both. Um, but yeah, I went, I went to Sonomar and that, that was on an open call at Danceworks. And what made you choose? My next question is had to turn down a job for another one. What was your decision based on choosing the Mallorca job over the China job? Yeah, so yeah, so Sonna Mama's in Mallorca and I think for me, someone who loves the sun, that was a big, big part of it. It also was a longer contract. Um, and the other one was a tour in China. Um, and I think I, I definitely would have wanted both. That's obviously why I auditioned for both. Um, but I had got to a point where I did really want to kind of go into the showgirl 
avenue and um sonomar being a, a, a cabaret dinner show was more of that style mm. um so yeah and i think i think i also was trying to think of things like i'd be in europe i wasn't that far away um i'd be in one place i wasn't moving around um but yeah that definitely is the only time i've been blessed to have that kind of choice um and decision um but yeah i, I did think about it i remember like sitting and watching videos on youtube and it was actually just before Christmas I'd been given the offer and I went to Austria to visit my family there. I remember us all sat around the laptop watching the videos and everyone giving their opinions on what show would be better. Um, so, yeah, you know, you always love that when everyone everyone's got their say. Love that. Fantastic. And um, I just wanted to ask you, because obviously we mentioned um, earlier about your credits and being involved in films like Rocket Man and his Dark Materials, EastEnders The Crown. Um, just... A little question in addition to this game. It doesn't have anything to do with Never If I Ever. But um, how have you got into that film side of, of the of the creative industry? So one part of that is because I had to leave a show because I was injured. And that kind of was the, was the end of the full time performing. And um, I, I really couldn't, couldn't do a huge amount physically for a little while. And I think that's when I first started looking at the more acting stuff. And it, it did start just as being like a supporting artist, like an extra um and then I was just quite lucky that sometimes it got a bit more exciting so with his dark materials originally I was just a background person and then I ended up being asked to go to an audition to be one of the witches mm. and they did all this is for the first season and that was all in Cardiff annoyingly I'd lived in Cardiff the year before and at this point I'd actually moved back well, the chances. but anyway um so I was traveling back and forth to Cardiff I went to an audition where I went to one that was like movement and we were like running across the floor and jumping around and stuff. And then I went to another one that was more like traditional acty. And then um, I remember being asked if I would go for a hair and makeup test. And I got there and I was, there was must've been about four of us and we all went to have this you know stuff done. And they, at that point they really didn't know what they wanted. So they were just kind of playing around with our hair and they put kind of fake tattoos and things on us and I remember this one girl agreeing to having her head shaved <gasps> and and she had the side of her head shaved because at that point it was the makeup test and we were going to come back I guess yeah. like the next week to film or something and she had this side of her head shaved and I was very much of like you can put water in my hair and that's about it <laughs> like, yeah don't do anything else extreme no. and then the, the terrible part for her after that was that when I went back the next time I was the only person and they basically had gone back and they were starting auditions again and um I was like well where's the other people that I was with last week and they were then it was just me and I went and had another little session where someone washed washed and conditioned my hair and put some makeup on my face and then after that there was a, I then met some more people and there was I think there's only four of us in the end and we did all the high wires stuff for one wow. of the episodes I just flew around um being a witch and it was really cool but it all started as you know just doing some background work and I just ended up auditioning to be an actress in it and then yeah there was a few other bits that came from that afterwards um but it was yeah it's very different um mm. I'm not so great with the waiting around oh, when it comes to so film and tv stuff there's a lot more waiting around is, yeah. um, I do get a bit impatient um but it was the, that his dark materials was an amazing experience especially doing the high wires yeah really cool
So you mentioned um, about confidence being such a huge factor in auditioning and in the entertainment industry. Was there any particular reason why you didn't, if you don't mind me asking, feel like you had that confidence? Yeah, so I feel like before I went to college, I was I wasn't the most confident person in the world, but I was relatively confident in what I was doing in the sense of I'd done it for a long time. I knew I loved it. I knew I worked really hard. Um, And I just think it was a bit of that. I don't know what was hopefully quite an old tradition of the break you down to build you up again kind of idea of when you went to vocational school. Mm. And I just felt a bit like I was broken down and then no one built me up again. Um, And it was really hard, especially my third year. I, I, had a shocking relationship with food and with my body and um it definitely wasn't I'm not trying to say that it was everyone that taught me or everyone that was involved in my training but there was this constant like emphasis on aesthetic on what you looked like and how important that was and and really that that was the most important thing that no Mm. one's going to consider you if you didn't look right and um for me that that came down to kind of my weight and my figure and I remember always having things in my reports that referred to it and it would be things like needs to tone up more which I obviously appreciate that we you know you should be physically really fit and things I'm not denying that but I, I was you know I was 19 20 I was oh my God. pretty slim and I obviously all I did was live and breathe my training that's all I did I went I'd go to the gym when I got home so I'd go to the gym at like half nine at night after I'd done a full day of training. Wow. I used to, I always taught at the weekends. That was my, that was the job I had that, you know, I did throughout the three years I was training. I was teaching. I used to work in my summers, work in my breaks, go on other training courses. And, you know, I was really trying to do everything. Um, and I think it just built a very unhealthy relationship with that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that had a massive impact. And it did just mean that I spent all my time believing that, I wasn't going to get a job until I was thin enough or until I looked good enough. Um, and the reality is, if I, probably a lot of that energy could have been focused on actually improving my skills and, you know, wouldn't have wasted so much time and energy on that. But that was the mindset that I graduated with. Um, and it, it did have a huge, huge impact. Like, well, it still has a huge impact on my life. I'm just in a much healthier place now and also in a place that I can talk about it. But it had a massive impact on my third year especially and and the years that followed I think also because I then I tried to go down the kind of showgirl route because I was tall I was struggling to get seen for musical theatre what some people might not realise um, especially for ensemble most shows have height caps so in the West End and UK tours they'll have a height maximum especially for female ensemble and I'm five foot ten and often that height maximum is five seven or five eight so I just just can't get in the room I just won't be seen I, I don't that. have yeah and I don't have the vocal um ability to be a lead Um, I would never go into an audition you know auditioning for the lead even if I went into cover or swing or something like that but I wouldn't go in as the lead which means I more than often use the dance call first and yeah ensembles have a lot of shows have height caps I did have an agent at one point who was really great at really pushing that and saying kind of why because if a show doesn't have partner work there really isn't a justified reason for it um but yeah, so that was the situation I was in. And I then started going more down the showgirl route because my height was my was my mm. strength, really, in that situation. If anything, I could be a short person in some of those auditions. Um, but that's where the weight then became a much bigger factor, that I didn't have the figure that other 
that other dancers had and it got to a point that I'd go to auditions even privates where I was one of three people and just be told well yeah better than when we saw you last year but still another stone and a half and things like that and it yeah and it obviously has a massive well for me it had a massive impact maybe it wouldn't for everyone but for me it had a massive impact I think that's that's the worst thing about the industry is the obsession with aesthetics and it's not even like it should be about a certain look or a certain weight or a certain height I mean what's that got to actually do with talent and I hate the motto break you down to build you back up because I just think you're so impressionable and vulnerable at that 18 19 age that for some people it it must be like for me for example I would not have got through drama school Uh, I wouldn't be in the industry now I don't think and I am a sensitive person but it's not even about being strong enough or not sensitive enough to take it it's hurtful and like I've discussed with you before personal things about the way I look that I've been told you know you're you're the most unattractive girl in the show what's that got to do with my voice and I think you only say that to the wrong person and you know you're responsible for for that person's mental health I just I just think it's I just think it's unacceptable and I don't understand what it has to do you know weighing girls and guys each week still in shows I don't understand I think I think it's barbaric and the thing is that I do obviously we know that some like the weighing we know that some things still happen but I do hope to think and through my you know the fact that I've been teaching for a long time and friends that teach in my different associations with different vocational colleges and things, I do think things have changed. But a lot of that, I think, is just where society has changed. We are much more accepting of different figures. We are much more accepting of different people in, in general mm. now compared to, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And we got to a point where it became trendy to be fit, it became trendy to have a big bum, to be more curvy, to have a six pack. And there is a bigger focus on the physical well-being that can then impact your mental well-being and and we talk about these things more and that's the thing when I was at college we didn't talk about it in the same way that we do now and I did have some teachers who who were very approachable and were very helpful and very supportive but if the overriding feeling is a focus on your aesthetic and it always being a negative thing then for me as a sensitive person that outweighed any kind of compliments mm. um, or any kind of positive feedback um, but I do hope to think it wouldn't be like that now it's something I'm incredibly conscious of when I teach and my thing is that we, we're we really fortunate to find something that we love that we yeah. then hope to build into a career that's a really lucky place to be and just because you found that doesn't mean that you don't then deserve to be a functioning human being mm. you know you may go somewhere to train for two you know one two three years however long it might be and you may leave and you may not have the career that you thought you were going to have that might be through choice you might choose to do something different you might find a new passion in life but you still deserve to have left a really well-rounded mm. functioning happy human being and I do think that the skills that you can learn from musical theatre you know and and these disciplines is, can carry you into every different avenue yeah. and that's where I've been really lucky that I think the the drive, the motivation, the work ethic I have, so much of that came from growing up in this theatre environment. And I use those skills in all the other jobs I do now. Mm. And I wouldn't change that. It's just the thing of I shouldn't I shouldn't have had to have left, you know, struggling with my well-being. You know, that shouldn't have been a sacrifice. Uh, And I just hope that isn't the case for people absolutely not absolutely not you shouldn't have have had that experience at all and and now as teachers obviously you said now you're you're really conscious of it yourself but as authoritative roles now it's just 
crazy to me that I would comment on anybody's weight or look. Yeah, and I do think part of that as well, like working in the industry where I think where you have these ideas of what's going to be like the dream job and the perfect job. And for me, with the It Girls last year, like the first job I did, I remember it so clearly where I'd put my costume on. I I felt quite self-conscious in my costume. That's just because that's what I'm like as a person. And I remember Tracy coming over to check and she all she wanted was to make sure that I was comfortable. I think where I'd got so used to people making an opinion or something based on what I looked like. And if I looked the same as the other people and, you know, is that how they envisioned their costume? And she she really embraces that my figure isn't the same as every other it girl and that we're all very different and we should be different. And that, you know, it's nothing to do with what we look like while we're there as such. Mm. And yeah, she wanted to make sure I was comfortable. I, I didn't want as much cleavage out. And so she rearranged another part of my costume to cover up my cleavage a bit more. And it, it for me, it was a first to have someone who really um, cared about how I felt and mm. if I felt comfortable um, rather than maybe how they wanted it to look or how they imagined something to look. And it, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Let's talk about your um, audition story. Uh, I know when I spoke to you about this before, you uh, said to me in a voice note, you were like, I'm going to think of an audition story for you. So let's talk about it. Good, bad, hilarious. Have you got one? So I feel like I have loads. I always joke about how I could write a book about um, audition stories. Um, So because I've experienced so many and so many like different ones, um, most funny and bad rather than Boston but they make for the good stories don't they so one of them that had come to mind I thought I'd uh, share with you today was I went to this audition I from what I can remember it was quite a long time ago but from what I can remember we were auditioning for either like a company or like a particular performance piece there was like something in particular but then we were also auditioning to be on their books because this company also had an agency Mm. and um I live in Hertfordshire and it wasn't very it wasn't very far away from me so I decided I'd just go in the car to make things easier and I think it was at like two or three in the afternoon and I parked the car I think I paid for like two or three hours parking you know don't think it's going to be a big thing let me tell you I got home like just before midnight like it was ridiculous like absolutely (gasps) ridiculous um there wasn't many people so it's not because there was lots of people maybe like 15 15 of us why did they start um, it so late in the day well I I, I really don't know no. I, I don't know <laughs> um but nothing needs to be that long like no. anyway but yeah so we we did an audition we did a routine in trainers it's kind of like hip-hop commercial style and then we also did something in heels and then the most horrific well no it wasn't the most famous part one of the most horrific parts was we had to freestyle to a whole track so the whole song so it was about four, three and a half, four minutes. And we had to freestyle to the whole thing in our heels. My worst nightmare. And I feel like it's most people's worst nightmare. <laughs> because even if you like freestyling, you don't, you normally freestyle for like a few eights. Do you know what I mean? Like, just no an one eight wants the is whole too song. much for me. An eight is like panic mode. Just flick my hair back and forth. <gasps> yeah. Well, it just went on and on. And you know, when you're thinking like, oh, they're going to stop the music soon. Oh, they're going to stop the music soon. And it just didn't, it just didn't end. Um, so that was long. <laughs> I feel like we did other stuff too, like dancey stuff. And then we got to a point where they wanted us to come in like one at a time. This is more like the agency yeah. side of things. And they had um, had my CV on the on the table and I'm, I'm guessing a picture or whatever. 
and I came in and they asked me about my singing mm-hmm. and so I sang a cappella because they didn't ask you to bring anything no. for this it was also predominantly a dance audition yeah um I just I had my stuff with me but yeah I wasn't coming to sing mm-hmm. and so I sang a cappella maybe two or three songs and like most of the song just stood in the room really yeah and then um and then they asked about my accents so we, we had a thing with like how you put the accents that you can do down yeah. I'm not the best at accents um so there's not a long list but I obviously I think it must have been when like maybe during my third year when I just mm. graduated so I was being very keen we're trying to show as many skills as possible and so they asked me about these accents and they were like okay we're just gonna have a chat and whilst we're chatting I'll just say another accent and you'll just go into that accent no and, I think even if you're good at accents, that's quite difficult. But for me, I'm definitely the kind of person of like, I put these accents down the thought of, if you sent me script, I'm I actually could, nervous. I could I'm actually nervous. That's so scary. I, I could practice to yeah. get these accents out. Like, I'm not an on the spot, just go for it kind of person. Yeah, but also um, you yeah. normally need like a little saying to get you into the accent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas this was like, we're just going to chat and that they were obviously going to keep chatting in their normal accent. No. And I was to just switch between the different Okay, words. so the next game is was I'm just going to talk to you and I'm just going <laughs> to tell you different accents that I want you it's to tell just- me. It was it was just like mortifying. And I was trying really hard to like be confident. But that by this point, for all the things I'd already done, I also think I might have had to go in and dance on my own as well at one point. Was it a rap um, company or was it like a like were you building a show together? Was it research and development? This is a lot to ask of someone. No, you've used lots of really like professional words. This was not a very professional situation. <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> like, <when> I- <laughs> obviously when I saw the audition I obviously didn't know this is what was going to come but I think I really don't remember I just remember that there was this agency part to it and that this this part of the audition was for the agency it was and they were basically just checking that all the things I'd put on my CV I could actually do but I just think the accent bit was a bit harsh that is so Um, harsh also it sounds like they didn't prepare the audition because they just went you freestyle for a whole song and then we're just going to read your CV and ask you some questions. It sounds like they were just making it up. Yeah. And I do think it was like a test, which, yeah. and I, I, part of me feels that like that was because of the college I'd gone to. Most other people at the audition hadn't either were younger and hadn't trained mm. anywhere yet or were kind of self-trained. And I do feel like there was like that bitter oh thing of like, oh, so you say you went here, let's see how good you are kind of thing. And so there, there I am fumbling through this awkward conversation, trying to get different accents out. You, you'll be happy to know that straight away afterwards, I took some of those accents off because also not because I didn't couldn't do them because I do think in a situation I should try and only put things that I thought yeah. I could do and then, you know what I've been training yeah. in my voice classes and whatever but I think I then had this fear that this would happen again that people would just ask like on the oh, spot no. go yeah. so I just like took lots of stuff off I, I think I made my range smaller like oh, so I don't. just had this panic that this is what was going to happen um but yeah, and I just remember being there all night and it was just getting later and later. I obviously had to put like an extension thing on the car parking and like trying to chat to all these other people. Like, but I rem- I just remember, and I remember afterwards, I think maybe the next day I'd like phone my friend and was like, you will never believe all these. Oh my God, I had to tap. I had to tap without no. shoes. That was the other part. <laughs> because they'd ask like your strengths and stuff and I was quite a confident tapper and things on my CV were, were tap things mm-hmm. and they were like well, well tap but obviously I didn't have my tap sheet <laughs> so I just had to like tap in my trainers 
and that is not the only time that's happened. I've also had to do that at an audition for um for like a dance and model thing. Oh, I'd gone no. to audition for as a model. And she basically told me I was too fat to be the model, but that maybe I could be the choreographer because she'd like some dancing in it. And I was in, you know, like the little studios you get for kind of self-tapes and idents. I was in one of those tiny little studios. And um, she was like, okay, well, can you dance for me? And I was like, what what kind of dance are you thinking of having in this? Oh, my God. And then she was like, well, I really like tap. And you said that you can tap. And obviously I I had like a heel on because I'd gone like, for a modeling thing so I had like jeans and a vest and heels and then I was tapping in my heels and someone's got a video of that somewhere was it a stiletto or a character heel or what was it oh no like a proper heel because it was for for (laughs) tapping in in a heel (laughs) that's quite dangerous and there's a video there's a video same with the other audition there's probably a video I do sometimes think people look back and just have a right old giggle I actually did an audition not, I don't know why I think that someone will watch this, but I actually did like this audition with a guy. It's just the two of us in a dance call. I mean, like, I'm actually going red and it was really sensual. It had to be really sexy. We had like, <laughs> we had like 16 counts to, to basically intertwine. When I tell you, like I, <laughs> it was, I decided the sexiest thing to do. He was on the floor. Like, I don't even know. Like, honestly, this needs to be put on OnlyFans. And I was so like, I've just got to go for this. I've just got to try and be sexy. That I just went stiff, my whole body, and I just fell forward on top of him. (laughs) He didn't even catch me. And I got whiplash from whipping my hair back and forth. (laughs) Honestly, it was so awful. And I got the job. I didn't even want to say what job it is. I feel like I filmed an X-rated adult movie. <laughs> and somebody's got a recording of it. And I'm the thing is, horrendous. you got the job. So at least you can look back and it's funny. You got to, I didn't get these jobs. Like people just have funny videos of me. Like I didn't even get them. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but you can be blackmailed though. <laughs> I could be blackmailed with that. <laughs> I just that's the funny thing when I look back but I did I literally spent my entire afternoon and evening at that place I don't think I even got an email to say like sorry like there was just nothing that was it surely equity should be like involved in that because that sounds that sounds weird like make it oh my god we've got a great story for the book you can yeah you can put your one in the book too In terms of auditioning, I've got a couple of questions off this story. Could you please do a demonstration of those accents? No. Um, so obviously, as your career has gone on and you've had lots and lots of varied different credits and work, do you prefer nowadays performing, being on the performance side, or would you like to be more on, on the creative side? Because you've said, obviously, you've been on a panel before. Um, I definitely prefer the creative side. Um, I think... I do think one part of that was the confidence thing, because I think especially mm. after having injury and pandemic, I really struggle with my confidence going into auditions now. And it's not it's just different to before. Mm. I think before that, that that lack of confidence was always very much around how I looked and how I appeared. And I think now it actually is more about my actual ability, because I think I feel like I'm not as good as I was before or can't do the same things I could do before. Um, and I do get quite nervous. Uh, but I do also try really hard to only go to things that I really want. So mm. there's no, there is obviously the pressure because you want the job, but there's, you really want to be in the room. Mm. 
and you're excited to be in the room and that does help um I but I do like being on the other side I think the last few years especially I have been more on the other side yeah. anyway if it's been choreographing or casting or whatever and I, I do I do like that side more um I like being the cheerleader for everyone else <laughs> it's a nicer place to be um yeah I think one experience I did have though I've only had it once where I think only once very few times where I went to a singing call first mm. um and then to a dance call and I remember the singing call went all right and I was like oh it's not too bad like and in a way it was quite good because I was quite nervous but once you kind of get going I was okay yeah and then I went, got ready for the dance call and like everyone else with me was predominantly, were predominantly singers and they were so nervous. And I was like, oh, this is the other way round. Like I hadn't experienced yeah. it that way round. So I then went into the second call when it was dance being like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm okay. And I would never actually have that mindset in the first round dance yeah. call, but by being on the other side and it being the other way round, I did remember thinking, oh, this is a much better way to be. So let's talk about the here and now. I want to talk about the Black British Theatre Awards and your involvement. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So that's your current job. Yeah, so I, I'm still doing quite a few different things, but that is my main my main job now as we go into 2023 uh, is working on BBTAs for this year. Um, I was I was really lucky that I started working on it just before the 2021 awards. Um and that was the third year they'd had it. So I'd, I'd known of it. I'd known lots of other people who'd been involved, but I hadn't personally been involved until then. Um, and I just started by kind of just helping. Um, I was doing, you know, admin. Um, I do quite a lot of digital marketing now. That was like my new skills since the pandemic. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I kind of got involved. I actually had worked with Omar. Uh, he's he's a choreographer and a director. He does lots of things. And I'd been lucky enough to work with him as a cho- He was choreographing something that I was, I was in and then he'd mentioned oh might need a little bit of extra help I just mm. finished um a short contract working at a vocational college um so yeah it just kind of fitted in well and then I carried on and I I worked in it again last year and we had it at the National Theatre last October Fantastic. which was just incredible um, and it's growing all the time uh, last year we had like four times the amount of votes compared to the year before mm-hmm. um, and then this year is the fifth anniversary and yeah we're just getting everything like all the hype started now and um, voting normally opens in June so we've still got a bit of time before the you know the busy stuff mm. happens but um it's really nice to start to start chatting to people again I'm just gonna have a bit of a bigger role this year and like be more involved which is really exciting and I really like I just love seeing what people are doing I love seeing what productions are coming um I like going to see shows, but I'm not going to lie. That's a really great part. Like, and that's the hope. Like, one of the things I decided last year was that I was going to try and see more plays yeah. because I am, I generally go to see musicals and dance productions. I don't often see plays. So last year I tried to just go to a lot more plays and I really enjoyed that. Um, I do think I have to do more research before I go though, because sometimes they're just very intense very dark and they're a lot mm. and obviously musicals generally you leave feeling quite uplifted mm. Mm. and that isn't always the case of a play and I think that mm. there was a few times where I was like I just had my thing of like oh I'm going to the theatre and I think sometimes you know it can unlock a lot of emotion which yeah. is phenomenal I saw plays that were just amazing and so thought-provoking and uh, yeah incredible but maybe I needed to just prepare myself a little bit more you know have the tissues ready yes that kind of thing um so yeah that's another thing for this year to try and see more plays and also to see more dance things because I I feel like since the pandemic I haven't seen as many dance productions as I used to um 
so yeah that's that's where i'm at now and it is really exciting if you don't follow us then please follow us you can follow us um the bbtas uh on instagram and twitter facebook and stuff and if you if you know of anyone who's currently absolutely shining in the industry whether that's on stage off stage especially the off stage creatives we really want to build a bit more buzz about that because i think they always just don't don't get the credit they deserve because mm. they're not on the stage you know in in all parts of theatre so for Black British Theatre Awards, that's a really big thing that we really want to shout about the offstage people as well as on stage and casting and everyone. And so, yeah, please get in touch. And if there's any shows and events you want us to go to or advertise, like that's what we want. We want just to build a bigger community. We've just started doing uh, Black owned business shout outs um, as well. So it doesn't need to be theatre related. It's mm. just Black business owners. And it is, it's just about building community. It's that thing we, we talked about as well. You know, you should just be supporting each other. We should be trying to build each other up and encourage everyone to, you know, have a much more positive experience in this industry. It's really, really tough industry to be in whatever part of it you you are working in. And the fact that a lot of people do move around in different roles and different things within the industry. um, We just want it to be a positive, a positive place. And the awards are really fun. people you know there's always performances and obviously people are really excited to receive their awards and to be nominated and it's just a big celebration that's the that is the aim of the evening um so yeah I'm really it's something I'm really passionate about Mm. at the moment um and you know I think it's something I've always been very passionate about but for me identity isn't something I really talked about openly or Mm. really thought about a huge amount until the kind of last few years some of that I think is just age because Sometimes there's things that you just don't think about until you're a little bit older. But for me, I really enjoy having these conversations with people and getting to meet people. I actually had um, some new headshots done last week with Dijonna, uh, Dijonna Gift. If you don't follow her, make sure you're following her too. Um, and I, I really don't like having my photo taken. And she did build a very like comfortable and nice atmosphere, which I think is really important. Um, but we also then had a ridiculously long conversation about lots of different things. And I do think that being part of BBTA has really opened that door for me where I keep having mm. these amazing conversations with people and people trust you and you can have these open, honest conversations. And that's what I really like. So for your final section, I'm just going to ask you for a little bit of advice. One piece of advice that you think is quite universal that you could give to our listeners. But also, I know you've mentioned to me before about an injury that you suffered. Anything uh, that you could give to our listeners that are maybe suffering with an injury at the moment or getting back into the industry after um, an an industry, (laughs) getting back into the injury after an industry. You know what I mean. Um, So perhaps two pieces of advice. Yeah, so I think... The main one is that you really do have to look after yourself. And so, like we said, if you go into the room and you don't believe that you deserve to be there and you don't believe you can do it, then you probably won't perform at your best. So it is making sure that you are looking after yourself. And part of that as well, for for what I experienced, and I think a lot of people experience, there is always this really scary financial aspect. Hmm. Um, It's very expensive to go to class to keep up your training. It's very expensive to travel to auditions. And to then on the side of that, have a job that brings you enough money, you know, especially if it's a non-performing job that brings you enough money to support that. And, you know, it is really, really difficult. I would say to people, if you have something else that you really do love, 
Um, and this applies to the people that maybe are struggling with injuries or just coming out from an injury. If you have another skill or something that you're really interested in, whether it is having a podcast, if it is design, if it's teaching, whatever it may be, don't be scared to do that too. Like you can have enough capacity to do both or to do multiple things. And if that other thing then brings you the financial security or brings you the you know positive mental health that you need to then actually thrive when you go to the audition well then that's what you want because yeah. the, the aim should be performing at your best in the room so yeah. you have to figure out how how that comes about um, and yeah I do think from an injury perspective I I do like other stuff it was I didn't just love theatre I loved other things too and that did help from the injury perspective nothing compares to being on stage like nothing nothing brings that same feeling that same buzz and I'm you know for me I haven't found another thing that feels like that but I have found things that I'm passionate about I have found things I'm interested in I always like to learn I found stuff that has allowed me to keep learning and what and you know opportunities to work with other people and it might be that right now you could get the opportunity to assist someone and that could lead to another job or a whole different part of your career um, or whatever it may be like just don't be scared to, to take the risk and also don't be scared to ask people ask people for help ask them for advice um I always love chatting to people if I meet especially like now because I feel quite old so if I go to do jobs and you stuff I am quite often like one of the oldest or the oldest and I'll meet new grads or you know people who haven't haven't been working usually for very long and I'm I will give you as much help as I can I definitely don't know everything but there's things that I did that I shouldn't have done. And I'd love for you not to do that, say, make that same mistake or things I did that definitely worked well. And if it's like mm. you just want someone to look through your headshots with you or yeah. over your CV, if you want to have a logo, like that kind of thing, you know, whatever it is, don't be afraid to ask people for their help. But that doesn't have to just be your close friends or your little circle. Like go out and ask other people. If other people are doing something that you're interested in, ask them because they're bound to want to help you fantastic Georgina thank you so much for today I have absolutely loved hearing about your audition story and also having that personal chat with you about confidence and your training and everything that you have shared with us today so thank you so much for your time before we go please could you just sign off the podcast with its title thanks that's all for today and then we are done thanks that's all for today